Time to Lock talk. Talk Radio. Time to talk some Judaism. Hello and welcome to Avner Live on Blog Talk Radio. This is episode two for June second, twenty twelve. Tonight we're going to be talking with Brian Schwartzman, the Jewish exponent in Philadelphia. We're coming to you live tonight from Kingston, New York. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ethan Klossman. We got a great show for you tonight in a couple of minutes, a couple of moments. Brian Schwartzman, the Jewish exponent, will join us right here on Avner Live. During the show, I want to hear from you on the phone line that we'll be taking questions from our listeners. You can call us at 646, sorry, not 646, 1347-426-3903. You may have to press 1 to get on the caller queue. And if you prefer to message your queries, you can IM, you can IM myself at ethanklossman at jabbered.org. In addition, you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text during offshore hours by calling or texting us at 315-497-SHOW. That's 315-497-7469. Be sure to text or send Avner Live or AL before your text or call. On that note, I'd like to welcome to Avner Live, uh, Brian Schwartzman, the Jewish exponent. Brian, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get right into it. Um, now, obviously, one of the big things that happened um, over the uh, past week or so was this uh, Orthodox Jewish Internet protest at City Field. What did, what did you make of this? Obviously, you said you, you didn't go, but what did you make of this? Did you think that this has any significance? Right. I mean, uh, yeah, I was not there. Actually, from what I understand... Um, you know, there wasn't actually press uh, credentials given. Whatever uh, press was there, you know, kind of got in through their through their own means, just just buying a ticket like uh, like anyone else. I mean, I primarily cover the the Philadelphia community. We don't really have a you know a Satmar community here, to what I'm uh, you know to what I'm uh, you know to the extent I'm aware of. I mean, it's obviously. Uh, it's obviously very interesting. I mean, I think it, it uh, you know, it speaks to, you know, divisions and, and issues going on within the uh, Orthodox community as much as uh, as uh, as anything else. But um, but um, you know, I, I'm sort of watching it, uh, <laughs> watching it, kind of kind of fascinated. It's it's hard for me to to. to you know, offer too much insight in, in, into this community. I mean, I guess, you know, the real question for me is: it is it is it about um, you know a widening gap between Orthodox Jewry and, and the rest of, of the Jewish community, or or is it really about um, divisions within Orthodoxy itself and kind of you know who who's in this Orthodox tent and who's not, and you know, can can you be you know, a, a Torah observant Jew and and have uh, you know have an iPhone and obviously I think or or you know you know be connected to technology in that way and I think you know probably still for the majority the answer would be yes but um, I'm 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 going outside uh, going outside my my coverage area a little bit there. <laughs> now, you, now you did cover an interesting event that was run by the Orthodox uh, Orthodox in Pennsylvania the Orthodox. They co-sponsored an event. The Orthodox Union did. 
Um, what did you make of this event? Uh, about they had us about it was mainly about um, uh, having the schools the school having choice. What did you make of that? I have to I have to say I was not uh, I was not not at that that event as uh, as well just just uh, because of timing. Um, I watched uh, Rabbi Avraham Schmidman, uh, well-known modern Orthodox rabbi here, rabbi of a large shul in suburban Philadelphia. Um, you know, I saw his speech on uh, on YouTube and <laughs> was surprised to see him rile the crowd as 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 much as he did. But um, this has been a big issue for the OU for for a long time, and um, I guess as it's really uh, moved in Pennsylvania in the last uh, two years the the OU has put um you know significant resources into it um in the past uh they had a uh, director of one of their directors of public policy Howie Bagelman spent a lot of time here and now they actually have a uh, a full-time uh, person on the ground in in Pennsylvania um you know um you know obviously I think in in the long run the 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 um the OU and hopes this this can this can one day help um you know Jewish students go go to um you know gain better access to day school but i think they've they've really been effective in uh making the argument that that they are you know they are working for the broader good they see school choice as a uh you know as an important issue as something that affects you know, all all Pennsylvanians, all Americans, and and you know have been really, ta- you know, taking that tact. I mean, I think it, what's been interesting is is sort of been watching the um, the rest of the Jewish community. There there certainly hasn't been a uh, a, a flip, but I, I think um, the the opposition to um, vouchers, you know, things using public money for you know for private schools is not has hard and as ironclad as it once was. I mean, I've reported the, um, you know, the ADL, uh, the local anti-defamation league, um, you know, went on record as uh, the board, the the lay leaders of the local anti-defamation league went on record as being, um, you know, for vouchers, which was, you know, against longstanding ADL um, policy and and the, uh, ultimately the, the ADL national board vote, you know, didn't didn't go along with that, but um, I mean, there's there's been, uh, you know, I've I've talked to some 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 folks on the liberal side of the, um, you know, of the of the agenda of of the Jewish political spectrum, saying I'm not as opposed to vouchers as I once was. I mean, I think there's, you know, a sense that, you know, that something needs to be, um, you know, needs to be done about the state of American public education. Um, I don't think anybody has has been. Uh, you know, as effective or outspoken as the as the Orthodox Union, that we have a uh, a group here in 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 Pennsylvania, the uh, Pennsylvania Jewish Coalition, which represents basically the federations and JCRCs across the state. They have an incredibly uh, effective and knowledgeable uh, uh, director, Hank. Uh, you know, Hank Butler, and 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 he's made clear. I mean, I mean the you know sort of the the mainstream organized Jewish community is not taking a stance on this, not um not uh 
now pushing or opposing it, which I guess could tell us something. Maybe in the past they would have opposed it, but they're staying uh, staying neutral on it. Right. Now, in terms of the conservative community, they uh, had an interesting meeting with President Obama uh, on May 29th. Uh, Obama wasn't expected to show up, but he, then he, he did pop in. He was supposed to meet with Jack Lew, the White House Chief of Staff, who was an observant Jew, discuss a wide range of issues. But what happened was President Obama, uh, he came in. What can you tell listeners about this event that the conservative movement had with President Obama? I mean, all I, I wish, uh, <laughs> I wish I'd been in the room. I, I, I wasn't, but um, I spoke with three of the three of the rabbis who who were um, all local to uh, to Philadelphia: Andrea Marrow, um, Eric Yanoff, and uh, and David Ackerman. And um, you know, obviously, they were struck and not necessarily expecting the president to, um, you know, to to show up. I, I mean. In the past, we've 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 heard, uh, you know, we've heard stories or stories have been reported about about you know rabbis or Jewish communal leaders challenging Obama, um, you know, and 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 of course because no, you know, these these hearings are these meetings are always off the record. There's always you know discrepancy about what was actually said, but um, I didn't I didn't hear anything like that. Uh, from the three rabbis I, I, I spoke with, I mean, you know, they, they just, you know, said they, the president uh, spoke on a wide range of issues, um, you know, including uh, including his uh, his support for Israel, the Iron Dome project, uh, opposition to, uh, you know, his 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 determination to prevent Iran from uh, from obtaining nuclear weapons, um, you know, about the differences. Uh, in the Israeli and, and American perspective, um, you know, if that came up, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't relayed to me. I mean, what what did sound different was that, um, you know, apparently the the president spoke uh, at great length about uh, you know the the, um, the the difference he sees religious leaders being able to make in uh, in, in, in 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 American life. Um, they, you know, they they said the president spoke very passionately about that, um, you know, and and uh, that's, uh, you know, that that's that's that was what was, uh, you know, what came out of it. I mean, you know, my sense was that you know there must have been, uh, you know, some kind of um, sharper exchange or or more pointed questions that that just. Uh, you know, just aren't uh, aren't coming out because um, you know because because the, the 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 news reports are clear that 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 um, you know we've come to a point where where um, the Israelis and the Americans seem to have a different uh, approach to um, to dealing with uh, the nuclear Iranian threat. Right. There's an interesting article uh, in the New York Post saying that this meeting. Was where Obama also stressed he probably knows more about Judaism than any other president because he read about it, which is what he said. And uh, and the person who wrote this article, name is William Crystal, uh, New York Post says that his vanity boggles the mind. Adams and Madison knew Hebrew, Harry Truman knew Jewish history, and he's and Obama making claims that he knows more about Judaism than any other president is probably a false claim. 
What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I saw the the Republican Jewish Coalition also jumped uh jumped right on that. I um I, I saw that article. I mean none of none of the rabbis I spoke with um you know relayed relayed that to me, so I didn't you know, I didn't have first hand direct knowledge of them saying that. You know, it's an interesting uh you know, it's an interesting uh it's an interesting question, sure, like you pointed out some you know some uh of our uh past presidents um you know had you know had their uh you know had some pretty substantial knowledge i mean i know um john adams was said well well you know um well he was vice president to have attended services at mcv israel's uh congregation in philadelphia um i mean the president does have an interesting uh you know interesting uh you know interesting take i mean he's he's spoken about his his interest in uh in jewish novelists and in in sort of the cultural aspect of judaism of of uh you know i think he's read widely philip roth and and uh and saul bellow um you know I, I, he's he's spoken about the uh the historic relationship between the African American community and the Jewish community. I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> I definitely don't want to, uh, you know, weigh in qualitatively on 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 that. I mean, um, you know, obviously the Jewish the Jewish community is going to have to make a choice, like all uh, all Americans will have to make a choice come uh, you know come this November, and hopefully, you know, we the press give them. Uh, the best information that uh you know that they you know we can for for Americans to make an informed decision about uh you know about these past four years and and what the next four years should be like and on that note, last question here we're talking about joining right now by Brian Schwartzman, the Jewish exponent in Philadelphia um, last question here having to do with Armenia an interesting article about Armenian birthright um and this is um, the has to do with the cultural aspect of of Israel and Armenia. Um, how do you see this as enhancing the Birthright Israel program? Obviously, it's been a program that's been very popular. The, the, the Tagli Birthright Israel program, which has brought over over well, thousands of young adults from around the world through a state since it began in 2000. How do you see it? Uh, as enhancing Israel. How do I see birthright Armenia as enhancing Israel? I mean, um, that's an interesting question. Um, also, I, I mentioned in this story that uh, I, I just wrote, I, I wrote a piece um, about how um the, 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 the creation of this program, Birthright Armenia, much smaller and very different in many ways from Birthright Israel, was still was still uh, done with with the cooperation and help and, and guidance of, of uh, some of the leadership at Birthright Israel. Um, in I believe uh, coming up on June 12th, uh, Yuli Edelstein, the, the Israeli Minister of Diaspora, is um, is is uh, Convening a conference in Jerusalem, I, I think it's called Global Village, and it's and it's it's for governments, um, private organizations, individuals who are interested in, in in building diaspora homeland connections with other countries. 
So I guess to the you know to the extent that um, you know that birthright Israel serves as a as a model, I mean it enhances the prestige of birthright Israel um, to the extent that other countries are looking to Israel as you know as a model for something done right. I mean I think it, it it's only a good thing at a time when uh, you know when it, so many are you know seek to delegitimize the Jewish state and and, and you know, treated as outside the community of nations. Here is a, you know, you know Israel as a as, as you know as a global village, so to speak. So I, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing, and I you know I think it's always interesting and useful to compare, uh, you know, the experiences of different religions, different ethnicities. Obviously, as long as we recognize that they are different experiences, and 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 you know, really uh, don't gloss over the complexities of of uh of these relationships. So I was I was fascinated in uh getting a chance to to get to know some of the folks at uh at Birthright Armenia and even spoke to um at least by email by one uh by one young uh young well you know young he's an adult a a lawyer in Los Angeles who had done uh done both Birthright Armenia and Birthright Israel. Okay, great. Ryan, thank you so much for providing your insight tonight. And we look forward maybe to talking with you again sometime down the line. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, bye bye. And it was Brian Schwartzman, the Jewish exponent. Uh, the next part of the show, I'm going to be talking about some books I read over the Sabbath uh, Reclaiming Judaism and some other aspects of Judaism that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, here on the program, the number to call in uh, is one three four seven four two six thirty nine oh three. That's the number you can reach us by, and we're going to be replaying this show over again at the official Avner Live homepage on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to read from Reclaiming Judaism here. Uh, interesting. Segue um, about Yiskor has to do with Shavuos, the sacred art of remembering. Perhaps you had an occasion to be at Yom Kippur services as a child. If so, you may remember a time when all the children were quietly ushered out of the room. Yiskor was about to start. The root of Yiskor is Zahor, memory. Uh, this is the first year that, well, next year I'll be saying Yiskor. This personal Yiskor, the deepest. Remembering of loved ones who have died is offered during the major festival of the last day of Sukkot, the last day of Passover, and the second day of Shavuot. On Yom Kippur, however, we also remember all the marks of the Jewish people. The prayer Ela Ezra embodies a partial list of the tragic, terrifying deaths of those whose crime was similar to be Jewish. The killers, those who tried to destroy the pathways to holiness, retained in the collective memory of the Jewish people, are not the focus. Instead, the marches themselves are emphasizing the prayers. An awakening of intense magnitude is made possible during these recitations because it becomes clear that despite the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, the Camille massacres, programs, and the Holocaust, Jewish people are one of the longest existing civilizations on the planet. Interesting read. We are stem cells on, on behalf of creation efforts to build a future, trying to get past our own, creative, our own creature lineage to help holiness happen within humanity. 
uh, and always at risk from those who fear change, who, who would inhibit the process. We remember, we mourn, and we derive strength from standing beside one another. We are still here, being of service, as we are meant to be. Remembering those you've lost. That's that's the that's the crucial part of it. And um that's what we're basically talking about here. Reclaiming Judaism as a spiritual practice and score is a big part of that. The seven lowest Seferit are Hesed, Gevurah, Seferit, Natsah, Hod, and Yesed, and Malhut. Hesed, overflowing, loving kindness, unconditioned love, flow with, without boundaries. Gevurah, strength, boundaries, restraint, discipline, limits. Seferit, beauty, harmonious, cooperation between opposing forces, compassion. Natsah, endurance, ambition, drive, focus, ability to sustain. Hode, containment, incubation, refining, wrapping, the present quality development. Yes, it's foundation, conducting, transmitting, sending it, sending it toward its audience. Here you are ready, as Reb Zalman teaches, to press enter, to dissolve your focused efforts, to let go and experience, be present to what will become of your efforts in the real world. Studying this sefer is a way of getting in touch with yourself. So that, so that when you're living your life and studying Torah, you're doing it as an aware individual. Every attribute of human behavior is within you, and whether one exists, whether anyone exists as a developed asset or as a de- deficit, is often within your range of control and correction. By studying nuances of the qualities of the seferit of this, and observing how well you are developing these qualities within yourself, you become a more capable co-creator of the world. Our mystics say. The Omer session, Seferud, this is about, this is just from the uh, Omer that we just just passed, leading to Shavuos. While many methods have developed for cultivating the balance and flow of awareness from one Sefer to another within you, have an effect on the whole enterprise of being. There are many practices for standardly cultivating your tree of light consciousness throughout the year. For example, each Seferud has a color associated with it. You may have noticed a prayer show, a tally on the market has rainbow stripes as a design. The prototype for this tablet was developed by Reb Zalman for use during meditation and preparation for prayer. One of the most ancient urban meditation practices that went into film, leather straps, little boxes contain the Shema and other excerpts from the Torah within them. Those are worn so that these prayers are set near your head and your heart. Each of the seven windlings of the tefillin on your arm can be done as a meditation on one of your sefirot. As your practice advances, studying the correlations the ancients developed between the lives of the ancestors and the qualities of the seferit is also helpful. This study can also be incorporated into the Ushpizan process that we started in the section of Ansukkot. When you arrive at the time of counting the Omer, your individual attention to the seferit during the year will be magnified by peering them for an in-depth study during the Omer process. Each day of the Omer, the 49 days from Passover to Shavuot, has a sefer assigned to it, and each week also has one, so that each day has a peer, has a pair to consider one in relation to the other. We begin with the Omer blessing, Baruch Atah Hashem El 
Kenu Melakalam Asher Kishanotibitivano regarding the counting of the Omer. Look at the Omer calendar that follows and take note of two qualities intersect. On, on day 24th of the Omer. Now look at the nuances of those qualities in the listing above. Did you find the answers of parody associated with Netza? So the study opportunity on day 24 is discussion and contemplation of how compassion functions and endurance in your life. Discussing each day's contamination with friends, family, and an Omer study partner will greatly deepen the value of this practice for you as you will be keeping an Omer journal. The Omer calendar of the Jewish mystics. Counting starts in the second half of Passover, as we know. There are some guests that we're supposed to have tonight, but we're going to push them back probably to next week. Um, so just let you know that. According to Talmudic and Midrashic sources, at the time of the Roman Empire, 24,000 disciples of the sage Rabbi Akiva died from a plague during the period between Passover and Shavuot. These sages attributed this plague of the negative internal politics among Cuba students, saying they did not sufficiently honor one another. To drive home importance of refraining from toxic communal politics, this negative value amendment to the sobering omer practice of holding no weddings or other celebrations and making no festive preparation for Shavuot, such as getting haircuts and shaving until day 33, omer, lagba omer. The 33rd day of the omer is a festival known as lagba omer, named by Phonetic sound of the number 33 in Hebrew. On this day, it's customary to light bonfires, engage in exotic dancing and mystical studies in honor of the Yurtzeit anniversary and the death of the luminary of Jewish mysticism, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He's also known as the Bayakim Rashbi. On the day of, the, of his death, Rabbi Shimon was reported to have become suffused by a great radiant light that also filled his home as he revealed the final secrets of his mystical practices. Rashbi is traditionally considered to be the primary author of the Jewish mystical text known as the Zohar, which means radiance. In his honor, Lagbomer marks an end to the Omer restrictions and celebrations described earlier. Many of Rabbi Shimon's teachings shed great light on a core tenet of Judaism, our capacity to evolve as people, which is reflected in a number of special customs for children and families prevalent on this day, including bonfire sculptures. In Israel and increasingly in other parts of the world, children collect wood for bonfires in anticipation of the festival and pile the wood into increasing sculptures. Bonfire parties and many types, family barbecues, or ecstatic fireside study gatherings blaze with intensity across the land of Israel and around the world. With the largest on Mount Meron and Safat at the great of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the son of Rabbi Eliezer. Pretend hunting boughs and arrows for children. 
Our folklore tells that Rabbi Akiva and his students, when confronted by the Roman law against tourists by a penalty of death, were dressed up for hunting and headed into the forest to study. Today, some people give children tiny bow and arrow sets with suction cups for arrow points and recount this tale of the courage it sometimes takes to study Torah. Since some children remove the suction cups, extensive supervision necessary for the, this activity, and also visited to a professional archery range, can be great fun when coupled with the story. Upshurant. A lot of almost thousands of parents bring the three-year-olds to Mount Maron or to graves of other mystical sages or holds a home-based ritual for their first haircut. This practice has fascinating roots and is of both practical and spiritual importance. So it's of both practical and spiritual importance. What is what is serious time to let the first haircut to pre-stories? The reason is quite inspiring. It requires us to look into a story found in the Talmud, Tractate Shabbat 33b, which reveals that even the great rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai once had to give it a massive timeout for wrongly using the power of his spirit. Our story takes place in a time when the Romans had made the study of Torah illegal. Rabbi Shimon spoke out publicly against this injustice and was sentenced to death. By various clever means, he was able to get into a cave in northern Israel where he hid with his son for 12 years. They occupied themselves all the time with Torah study. In this cave, there appeared a carob tree that served as a food, a stream for water, and a sand and mud pit for warmth. When the prevailing Caesar died, the decree against Rabbi Shimon was lifted and he and his son soon left the cave. They came upon Jewish farmers working in the field. Rabbi Shimon was, was so unaccustomed to the real world, and the idea of Jews who were so unaccurate in Torah study, so distressed that he vaporized the Jewish farms and farmers at his gaze. A voice from heaven immediately called out, My world is not to be destroyed, return to your caves. And it said, My world is not to be destroyed, return to your caves. Also, tomorrow on the show, Doc Never will be to show the legal docket. When the prevailing seizure died, the decree against Rabshin was lifted, and he and his son soon left the cave. It came upon Jewish farmers working in the fields. Rabshin was still unaccustomed to the real world. My dear Jews were so active in Torah study, so distressing that he vaporized the Jewish farms and farmers who were engaged. A voice from heaven immediately cried, like he said, My world not to be destroyed, return to your caves. Therein, father and son stayed for another year until the voice returned, allowing them to emerge. They did so on a Friday afternoon when people were, of course, engaged in the mundane as well as Shabbat preparation activities. Man hurried past them, bearing two pounds of Murder blossoms. Rav Shimon's son inquired as to where he was going with the flowers. In honor of Shabbat, he replied, but why two, they asked. One for Shemur, observing the laws of Shabbat, and one for Zakor, remembering the beautiful experience of the gift of Shabbat, the man responded. Rav Shimon replied, now I can see the power of a Jew and mitzvah. Notice that Rav Shimon met a man carrying myrtle leaves. Sure, this is a symbol meant to catch our attention. 
Our sages know that merrily the straight's like an eye. Indeed, we watch Reb Shimon to see if he has learned where another time I'll be given. Notice how differently Reb Shimon handles second encounter. He has learned to shamor, observe, be curious, to drop a judgment. He can now zakhor, remember the lesson taught to him, and not replicate his rage. Shamor and zakhor are achieved by observing the deep structure of tradition to remembering to thoroughly apply the student's Torah's intent. Rabbi Shimon has studied, has studied the structure but lost content of the meaning. Balance is required by God of the sage and also is an important component of our own spiritual health. Tonight's show will end at 10.45. The, st- the story of Rabbi Shimon was kind of read as a parable about mem- maturation, about parenting, including a camera episode of cosmic parenting. In this story, the voice of God comes teach us, comes teach us healthy, God requires of sages as of ourselves. I actually end the show in one minute, 10.35. Um, many metaphors can be found in the story that are really portals to high parenting consciousness. For example, a person is often likened to a tree in the Torah. A person is like the tree of a field. Hence, the carob tree in our parable, Jerusalem requires that a baby trees. They last about for three years before the fruit is harvested from their limbs. This concept is called orla. Leviticus 19.23. Just as a young tree needs developmental freedom, we try to create safe space for babies to faithfully develop with few limits other than those needed for safety. And let's not forget the time the terrible choose, seeing the breath of relief usually brought by the change in cognitive and behavioral ability of a child of age three. The upshot and hair cutting ritual helps us acknowledge children like young trees are three, better able Also in our parable, show's going to end now. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Here's Saturday night at 10. Good night.